covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in as we come your way. Another week of the work stoppage, but certainly some baseball things to uh, get to this week. Our featured conversation coming up in just a few moments. One of our favorites to uh, have on to the program, Jim Goulart, is set to join us, part of the team at uh, BrewerFan.net. He'll be with us uh, in just a moment here on the podcast. Our normal housekeeping items here at the top. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review, that is always very, very much appreciated. Uh, all right, so a few notes to get to. First off, from a labor negotiation standpoint, Monday is a big day as the Major League Baseball Players Association will be making a counteroffer to Major League Baseball. Uh, this is uh, the response to the initial proposal that was given to the players from the owners uh, a couple weeks back. That was not received especially well. Maybe I'm a little jaded when I say this. No reason to believe that this offer is going to be received especially well from the owners. We can hope, and I hope I'm wrong on this, and maybe this is actually a starting place for true negotiation, but it just feels like this is going to turn out to be one of those things where all we're really going to learn is how far the two sides are apart from each other, but maybe at the same time it does create a place of negotiation because finally cards are kind of on the table and everybody knows where everybody is at. So that's a we'll, we'll see what happens on Monday, right? Like that, the the we'll see what happens thing has been said over and over and over, but we will indeed uh, see what happens. The biggest news when it came to the Brewers this past week was some additions to the Major League coaching staff. Former Brewers players uh, Jim Henderson and Matt Erickson are each going to be joining the Major League coaching staff. Henderson has been the uh, pitching coach at uh, AAA Nashville. He takes over for Steve Carsey, who steps down after two years. He wanted to spend some more time with his family. And then Matt Erickson, uh, he's somebody who had been working for a long time as the manager of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. If you did not hear it, I got the chance to uh, talk with Erickson on the Brewers Weekly Show uh, this past Thursday and uh, the archive of that is available on this same podcast feed. So if you haven't heard my conversation with uh, Erickson, would certainly encourage you to uh, listen to that. He'll be an assistant hitting coach and then also a uh, an infield instructor as well and a really cool uh, opportunity for him to get the promotion to the big league staff as both individuals have been connected to the Brewers in uh, some form or fashion for an extended amount of time. A couple notes from uh, other elsewhere in baseball. I wasn't sure what to make of the fact that recently we learned that the uh, robot umpires, the automated strike zone, was leaving the Atlantic League, the independent league, where it had been tested. Uh, It's always felt like that's going to happen at some point at Major League Baseball, but the fact that they got rid of it in the testing ground, I wondered whether or not they were kind of putting a pause on it, whether they wanted to um, try to improve upon the technology. Well, no, they're they're just advancing it. It's going to be uh, part of AAA this upcoming season. So that's a that's a big move, and that tells you that maybe it's closer to being in the big leagues than anybody expects. Uh, I. What I've read about it, and I've not seen it used in person, what I've read about it is there are still some issues with it and that 
It is not. Uh, some metrics say that the actual human umpires are calling balls and strikes at a more correct clip than the automated strike zone is. I don't know if that's true or if that's just an agenda that's being pushed by people who uh, still want uh, the actual umpires to be calling balls and strikes. Either way, I feel like they they should be able to get it right. They should be able to get a system that from a technology standpoint, should be able to call balls and strikes at almost a 100% correct clip. Uh, but until they get to that point, I really don't want to see it at the big league level. If the human umpires are going to be better than the automated strike zone, then continue to go with human umpires. Uh, it's going to, at some point, at some point, uh, it's going to be an automatic strike zone at, uh, in the major leagues. The other thing that happened this past week, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are not going to be able to go forward with a split season plan. They had wanted to play half of their season in Tampa, the other half of their season in Montreal. This always seemed like a crazy, wacky plan, but it was something that the Rays wanted to do. Major League Baseball officially put the kibosh on it this past week. They are not going to uh, be going forward with this plan. And I think that's, I just, I would have felt bad for players who had to spend half the year in one place and half the year in the other. It just doesn't make sense. I'd feel bad for the fans of Tampa. I'd feel bad for the fans of Montreal. At some point, Major League Baseball is going to expand again, and I'd love to see them get a team in Montreal and not just some half-season team in Montreal. So those are kind of the things that I noticed uh, this week uh, in baseball. Uh, Real fun conversation with Jim Goulart uh, coming up, part of the uh, team at BrewerFan.net. We've not had Jim on the podcast in quite some time. We make up for it with a uh, pretty extended conversation here. So uh, let's go ahead and get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We are very happy to welcome this guy back on the podcast. It's been a little while since we've had him on, but uh, the triumphant return of Jim Goulart, part of the great team over at uh, BrewerFan.net. You can follow him on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Jim, I always love having you on the podcast. Appreciate you taking the time. How are you? Man, I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you, sir? I am. Welcome, welcome back to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a little cold. I wish there was. Uh, I wish there was more hot stove stuff to actually talk about uh, at the major league level. There's not that as the negotiations do continue. Now, I should say this: we are recording this on Sunday night. It's coming up on about eight o'clock Central Time. Uh, the Major League Baseball players are expected to uh, deliver a proposal or a rebuttal or something to uh, Major League Baseball on Monday. So maybe some of what we're going to talk about uh, might uh, might not be as relevant. But I, I don't. I'm not expecting any major changes coming up uh, Monday. But uh, overall, what have your thoughts been? I guess as we've gone through this uh, this process, really since uh, the lockout got started in December. Day 50-something. Well, thanks to MLB trade rumors, I know a lot more about what's going on overseas in the various leagues because that's all they can feed us. It's been disappointing, frustrating, of course, for everybody. We all saw this coming. Um, the the whole notion of the lockout um, in terms of spurring things along, that was a bit farcical as well. Um, could things like trade talks and arbitration cases and... Um, you know, free agent signings could have been going on um, during this this latest stretch. You know, of 50 so days. Uh, you know, I, I think they could have, and still been some negotiations with some sort of 
deadline, um, you know, where maybe the lockout could have begun mid-January or something. But it's just been um, this, this holding pattern just makes me wonder what they can possibly do to, to, to work this out in a timely manner and, and have some semblance of, of, of some kind of order when, um, when things just all kind of break free at some point. Yeah, um, it's the thing that's frustrating for me is how little communication there's been. You know, the the owners said that they were going to impose the lockout as a way to spur conversations and and, and motivate conversations, and we haven't really seen that. Does that frustrate you? Absolutely, and and but at the same time, the, I guess they're the meeting in person tomorrow, right? So we've got. I don't want to hear – look, I love you know Evan Drellich of that, The Athletic and these other reporters that managed to get these little bits and pieces. Thank goodness it's been less than in the past that they're breaking free and, and reporting on, but that's only because there's been so little communication between the two. It's hard to report on, on different leaks and such when they have barely been speaking with each other. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of, out of tomorrow. But certainly, yeah, it's just – um, frustrating on so many levels. I'll tell you, Matt, something that, that just gets in my head quite a bit is you've got um, just the people, the upper level contracts in baseball, to me, the gap between the, the superstars and the rank and file has never been greater. And God bless the superstars for getting the deals that they are. And but when I see, you know, Matt Scherzer on the committee, you know, I'm just, you know, you're not representing the rank and file. I don't care how great a job you're doing going back and telling, you know, I guess now it's the the Mets, you know, your what's been happening on the front lines of these negotiations. Um, put some put some average Joes on that on that committee. That's who I want to hear from, um, in terms of representing the, the players' views. You tell me. I mean, there's only so many teams that are going to take on the $30 million contracts. And when guys like Anthony Rendon, who's a nice player, is pulling in that kind of money, um, and I'm not anti-player in this, believe me, but I'm just saying the upper-level superstars, how many teams can afford to pay two or three of them? And then no wonder they're just all kind of – fighting for scraps for, for everybody else. It does seem like, maybe you'll disagree with me on this, it does seem like those superstar players and the upper echelon players, it, it feels like the, the, the rank and file, as you say, and even minor league guys who are not yet on 40-man rosters, it feels like their interests are being represented more now than ever before, that there seems to be more legitimate interest from the overall union in trying to uh, help those guys out. I don't think that has existed previously. I do think it exists now. I will agree to a certain extent. I think that just, it's just the nature of the um, – the, this. I just – They'll never be able to get it back, but this this tax level, you know, this this what the owners have basically turned into a de facto salary cap. It's just I don't understand how the players can go that route and not agree to a floor, which again, 
would force, you know, the Baltimore Orioles and, and the Pittsburgh Pirates to sign some of these rank and file guys to the to the three year, thirteen million dollar deals that we used to see signed in two thousand ten and now it's a rarity, you know? Guys don't when was David Stern's, I think the last one was Eric Thames, right? Where he brought in somebody for three years. You you go out and you get your your Brad Boxburgers of the world and stuff, and you try to fill in the gaps in your roster that way because you're paying your your prime players, um, you know what they deserve because they're the superstars. But um, I do see that representation map, but I still think that there's a large enough gap there. I think it was Eno Saris or somebody from the athletic that suggested this would all be resolved the best way if they just made like the minimum salary, like 1.3 million, you know, just jump it all the way to that. It sets a, a, a higher bar heading into the arbitration years and such. Um, and it would resolve a lot of issues. Um, I think the only thing that would then do would make AAA a miserable place where guys are even more desperate just to make the jump from AAA. But, um, it's tough, Matt. It's tough. We and the Joe fan like you and I, we just get um, you know taught, kind of ravaged in these discussions where we're just kind of trying to make sense of it all. Yeah, I, I, every week I'm having conversations about the lockout, and I, I want to talk about baseball. And we'll talk a little actual baseball stuff before we get done with this conversation. But the bottom line is, this is the the overwhelming story in baseball right now that the lockout does continue. the The players are so hell bent on on you know quote unquote winning one after they feel like that they've got beat down pretty good in the last couple uh, negotiations. I do wonder. Like, let's take the let's take the salary floor for a second, because right now, if Major League Baseball is going to impose a salary floor, well, then they want something for it. They want maybe the luxury tax number uh, to go down a little bit, or something. You know, they they want something for it. And I understand the dictionary definition of negotiation is you you, you give something up when you get something. But I do wonder, what if there was one of these core issues that the players had? that the owners just gave in on, 100%, just gave in mm-hmm. on it and did not expect anything back for it. If that, ha- if they just did that with one thing, would that be the thing that made players feel like, okay, we're going to win one, and maybe that could actually spur things forward? Yeah, maybe arbitration after two years, maybe, you know, not Super 2 or anything like that. If you And you'd still have to figure out a way to avoid, you know, somebody being held back for a month. Um, that's always going to be a tricky part of this too, is the, is the mathematics and how to come up with ways and people have tried to, so that they don't play the manipulation game. Um, so even if you do something like arbitration after two years of service time, um, you might need to make it, oh, it's tricky. It's tricky, man. Like 1.9 years or something yeah. like that, um, to, to make it avoid that manipulation. Um, so many factors are going into this and I'll tell you, the owners have seen, I guess, for the legitimacy of a season, right? We know that we kind of need to have at a bare, bare minimum, just based on 2020, 60 games. And I'm talking worst case scenario here, right? That there could be like a, they've proven they can, they've done it once. If things extended deep into April and May and whatever, and now we still need to get players ready and pitchers ready, and we're looking at the potential of a 60 or an 80 game season. Well, what's the legitimacy of the schedule at that point? Is, are you going to have just leave whatever games were scheduled scheduled? Um, 
what's going on in spring training right now with all the fans and if they're going to reschedule spring training games because they're delayed, you know, how do you compensate the fans for who planned for their travel packages and all that? So many implications. You've got 40 man guys who aren't going to see time. If, if Mario Feliciano and Dylan file and Alex Bettinger who are, you know, we're going to start the year in the minors. If they can't play for as much as one month, two months, who knows how long, um, they're missing out on on certain on you know development time. Uh, crazy how many things are going to factor into this before it's all said and done. If something doesn't get done on time, and so many of us are just skeptical, Matt. I mean, how can you not be skeptical? Maybe they'll surprise us, but uh, that's where I am. I, I'm looking at it. I, I, sometimes some days I wake up and I think, okay, and other more more often than not, though, I'm going, this is. This is going to be really ugly. And I'll say one more thing. We're talking here on a Sunday evening. Um, I'm not sure what is going on with the fourth NFL playoff game, but let's just look at the three that happened already this weekend, which is the most amazing weekend every year in, in sports pretty much is the divisional round. And we've had three games come down to the final game-winning field goal in the final seconds. Talk about putting on a show and the juxtaposition, of course, the NFL is the monolith, it's the beast, we all know that. But just the MLB to just be stumbling and bumbling its way through alienating the fans at this point is just it's so, so silly. Well, they and it's not they they do it all the time. They well, you mentioned the sixty game schedule. They they could have had such of an advantage two years ago if they would have gotten the, that season started earlier when they could have because eventually the NBA and the NHL got up and I think baseball had like six days or something of being the only sport that was being played. They could have had darn near three weeks to a month of being the only sport being played and everybody just being so desperate for sports, they could have had all those eyes on it right in the middle of a lockdown and they couldn't get anything figured out. And that that, that grievance over that 60-day season is still out there and some had thought that maybe that would get worked out through these negotiations. I don't see with the amount of time that's going to take to work through an issue like that, I have a hard time believing that's going to get worked out. So at some point in the next few years, they'll, they'll, they'll get an answer to that grievance but yeah, it just baseball is so good at getting in its own way. They can't even make the the natural announcement about the DH that everybody knows is going to be somewhere. Um, in terms of everybody knows where this needs to go, and they can't even make like a an early declaration just to appease everybody and to set things up for the negotiations of free agents and stuff um, as quickly as possible. That. Uh, you know, and, and let teams start to think even more about their rosters and, and whatnot. There's still a possibility. Well, I said there's no possibility that pitchers will be batting when play resumes. But the fact that it's, they've even dragged this out is is just frustrating. And this is not exactly where we wanted our our conversation to go, Matt. After catching up here, but this is this is what we're facing, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's a great example because players want the universal DH owners want the universal dh but each side thinks they deserve something for it it kind of goes back to what i was talking about earlier that's why it was not in you know even before this past year players felt like 
well, they, they we need to get something if we're going to agree to this. And owners feel like, well, we need to get something if we're going to agree to this. So even on something that the two sides agree upon, they feel like they need to get a little something extra for agreeing to it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's um, I guess where does it end in terms of uh, just the – everybody's so entrenched – and everybody on the outside is trying to analyze where the breaking points are going to be, and it's just—it's not really visible to us that uh, that so many different pieces of of settlement need to happen, um, and, and we just don't know how that's all going to come together at once in in seven-minute meetings and eighteen-minute meetings and whatever the case might be back and forth. Yeah, I mean, my prediction is on Monday the proposal is going to be given to the owners and the reaction that the players had to the owner's last proposal being completely underwhelmed and it being a non-starter the owners are going to have the exact same reaction to whatever the players give i don't feel i have zero expectation that the two sides are going to be any closer on monday maybe the only thing monday will bring is we will know just exactly how large the ocean is between the two sides yeah it's a gulf, and um, it's we don't even know where there is agreement among the owners, among the small market owners, uh, the large, you know, large market owners, the um, and are the players. What, what, what do you think their resiliency is in in terms of the, the the players? I mean, I just don't know how much the guys who already lost money because of 2020. Um, will pressure the union heads to say, hey, look, you know, just get us something. Get us something as long as the season starts on time. Yeah, I mean, there is that war chest that they've put together. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how money would be distributed. I wouldn't think that the guy who's on the $30 million a year contract is going to get the uh, – it wouldn't be fair for them to get the same amount of money that, say, uh, a guy who uh, is making you know the, the minimum. So if that war chest actually does need to be used, I, I would be hopeful that the guys who make the least amount of money would, would get some of that money. But you're right uh, at the same time it does seem like they have prepared themselves for a potential work stoppage. Well, and the war chest doesn't kick in until opening day. Not one penny of the war chest is going to get spent because the players don't get paid until regular season starts. Yeah. So when they talk about a war chest, that doesn't go into play until it's, okay, automatic season delay, opening day is not happening, um, I haven't studied the April schedule, but maybe I should just, just start seeing, well, these are the games that are going to get chopped off the schedule. Maybe there's some tough opponents up front. I know the opening weekends versus the Diamondbacks, um, that would be, those would be nice games to have in hand, right? Yeah. Against a team that lost 110 games last year. So it's just, it's a kerfuffle. It's a, uh, it's, um, and it's left for folks like you and I to debate the almost undebatable in terms of we all agree this is not a pleasant experience from a fan perspective. And um, we can try to entertain ourselves with other things. I mean, I, look, a lot of people know my background from, from Brewer fan and such and, and being a big fan of just 
um, rooting for all the kids down on the farm and, and watching their progress um, through the system. I made a suggestion today online um, that if there is a delayed season, I think Manfred and what should be a no-brainer should just automatically say, okay, um, all baseball fans across America, our MILB TV package um, is free to all. So you can at least follow the farmhands for your prospective team. We're going to try to get things worked out. But in the meantime, for 2022, here's your MILB TV. Very, you know, I mean, but look, it's only a small percentage of our MLB fandom that will take advantage and think that's, oh, okay, cool. But for a lot of people, it'll be like, okay, it's baseball, and I can you mean I can tune in to, to Nashville or Biloxi and, and, or the kids down in the lower levels and at least check in on some of these names we're hearing about because there's going to be nothing else and there's still going to be an appetite for baseball itself. That was actually going to be my next question because I did see you tweet that earlier today. I like the idea. Uh, Jim, I think it's utopian, and I don't think Rob Manford would ever do it because this is the guy who has overseen the the blackout situation the day the way it is right now, which is just absolutely crazy. And the the blackout situation could be so easily resolved. If I, and I'm not anti blackout, like I, I'm fine protecting cable operators. I am fine protecting uh, regional sports networks, but it should be a blanket thing. If you have a regional sports network in your area that covers a team, those games can be blacked out. But if they're not covered, if, if local cable does not have those RSNs, then you show mm-hmm. it. Like in Iowa where the Cubs and the Royals and the White Sox and the Twins and the Bru- – like it's, it's like seven teams in Iowa get, get blacked out. I lived in Iowa at one point, and I can tell you there were not all those RSNs on local, local cable. So the, the blackout situation is so easy. Only games that are on local cable get blacked out. That would be the easiest way to fix it. There's a lot of common sense there. Everybody, Everybody's interests are still protected, but they haven't done that. So I don't, I don't see them going with your MILB TV plan when it's the same people who cannot do what I just said when it comes to blackouts. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is, too, is like um, – one of the things that we try to do at Brewer Fan is we present both from minor league and major league, um, including the clips and actually, you know, the archives of, of your podcast here and, and your Thursday night show um, is just provide convenient links um, on the site for people to, to grab at their convenience because um, not everybody can hear these things live, um, particularly some of the radio interviews. And um, Nick Bennett is a left-handed pitcher in the system and he's, mentioned in an interview that he recorded this week that there's like 30 guys right down now down in Maryville among the minor league players um, in various states of rehab and and doing their work. So in, in some ways, I'm kind of excited that they'll probably have a, a minor league camp, but it's down there and it's bringing some guys early. Um, they're going to have the run of the place, it sounds like, <laughs> right? And um, it's they're going to get off to a good start. I mean, it's like April 8th is opening day, and we're going to be hearing um, from a from, I'm sorry, from a minor league perspective. So at least, you know, those, those leagues are going to be kicking off, and there's box scores, but it's not MLB. It's not the Brewers. It's not AmFam Field. Um, so I just – maybe they pull a rabbit out of a hat. And we're talking here in a couple of weeks, and, you, and your, your, your guest three weeks from now is saying, wow, let's just focus on the team because 
in two days, um, the free agent market's going to open up again. I, I really hope that's going to be the case. But until then, we're left to uh, enjoy each other's company, but on this, on this particular topic, it's tough. Last thing for you on labor stuff, and then I promise we'll move on to actual baseball because we've seen work stoppages before. Now, we haven't seen one since since 94, 95, but if you look at the history of work stoppages, I mean, you go 72, 73, 76, 80, 81, 85, 90. 90 like, there, was, there was a period there. I don't think people completely realize that, especially people my age and younger. Uh, people my age and younger remember 94, and that's that's it. Uh, they don't. They don't remember much more than that. Baseball for a long time was a sport that had a lot of work stoppages. Now most of them lasted a month or less, and they were uh, in the middle of the season for for whatever reason. That that was more often than not. That wasn't always the case, but there was a bunch of those type of situations. Um, but especially when you look back to tonight, like for me, ninety four, I was twelve years old. Uh, to me, the impact was me and my dad couldn't go to baseball games together. I didn't understand everything else that was going on. You're a little bit older than me, Jim. When you think back on all the work stoppages in baseball, what what aspect of it? I mean, are you most worried about? Maybe might apply to what's going on here. If that makes any sense. No, you're right. Um, I I'm definitely older in terms of uh, not so much maybe the early seventies. I was born in 62, so late 62. So um, for me, it was more the, um, the the 80s and and certainly the 94, 95. Like you remember, um, was you know I was a young adult, you know, uh, in my 30s. I, so it, it's I'm just concerned. I think back then too, there wasn't this prevalence with social media and the proliferation of of just the networks that we have, the streaming options in terms of fans being able to weigh in on the topic or getting the coverage. There wasn't the athletic back then. There wasn't um, the coverage that we have in terms of, well, not, not from MLB networks, certainly, but just from other outlets commenting on what is going on. Um, people able to vent at the time, whether it was against Peter Uberoth or any of the other um, commissioners of, of those days. Um, now fans are fully involved. They're much more um, informed, thanks to all the national writers who try to keep us posted. And I think it's that vent venting ability that they have that is really um, adds to the souring of the fan base and the souring of the game that could provide real, real damage. Um, I guess the NHL lost a full season, right? Not mm-hmm. that long ago. Yeah. So it can happen. And um, they came out on the other side, but uh, it can happen. And I'm just, I'm just curious how the players will make themselves known to the, to their labor representatives at the top when push comes to shove and like, they're really, really ready to get back and go, hey, we've we fought for enough, and it's it's time. But when will that be? 
that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, and when will the owners say, okay, we're, we got to start giving in on some stuff because we're we're losing money, we're losing people walking into spring training games, we're losing opening day. Like there's 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 a point on each side to be pushed, and and when when and how far they get pushed that they actually kind of let down a little bit. I think that is probably the biggest question uh, going into this. All right, I promised that would be my last thing on labor negotiation. A couple more things before we get you out of here. First off, once it does end, free agency trading, all that is going to open up once again. What's your expectation in terms of that? those final few moves the Brewers need to make? You still look at maybe third base, depending on how they view Luis Urias. You still look at first base. There, there's still maybe a possibility for, for an addition in the outfield. You would think that there's going to be maybe multiple bullpen kind of guys being brought in as they try to find the next Brad Boxberger, a guy you mentioned earlier. But it, it, the, those seem to be the areas, and maybe a veteran starting pitcher could still be brought in if they if they want to do that. Uh, it, it definitely feels like there's still a lot of spaces on that big league roster to be filled. You tell me, do you think the GMs and presidents of baseball ops have been honoring the don't talk to each other rule? Uh no, not 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 a hundred percent. No, like I, I think there's been less conversation than there normally would be. But I think there has been certainly some uh some hypothetical situations that have been yeah. uh, proposed. Yes, sure, sure. Um, yeah, bullpen for me is is big. Um, I, you know, I I just. Uh, Jake Cousins was huge um, when you're counting on avoiding sophomore slumps. That's always risky. Um, so, you know, between the Miguel Sanchez's and, uh, you know, the, the Gustave's and stuff like that, and I'd like to see a little bit more of a, a proven veteran presence um, to join the, 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 the sixth and seventh uh, inning brigades, so to speak. And um, I think Urias is the guy at third base, Matt. I really do. I think they're going to just – they saw enough last year, and, you know, that's why they made the trade. And it's it's it took a little while, but I think he's locked in there. I just think um, first base slash DH, you have to find a, some, some kind of piece of magic there. I think you want to see what somebody like David Dahl can do in spring training. And, and does he surprise and get added to the 40-man as that – is that fifth outfielder or that fifth outfielder slash DH bat? Um, so those are the things for me. And, of course, I think the big one that hangs over a lot of it is um, does first base get upgraded beyond what Rowdy Telez can can give you? You know, I mean, I just – I think it was Anthony Castrovin at MLB.com, and he put out a – you know, perceived trade, which actually was awful for the Brewers, in which they acquired Matt Olson, but in a three-way deal with Philly, and, and Josh Hader was on his way to Philly, and Keston Hira was on his way to Oakland, um, along with uh, Garrett Mitchell, sorry, um, first-round pick a couple of years ago. And, look, Olson is such a stud and would be immense, and, yes, he'd be a big upgrade over what Telez can do. Um, it's almost like you wish you could see Telez in 130 games and what those numbers would look like, but we don't have the benefit of the doubt to do that and wait. So Olsen's like the only guy that I would upgrade first base for and really be willing to give up a lot. And I don't think that there's top of the prospect chain 
um, ammunition there that, that's going to make it happen. Um, I don't think that it's going to be that, you know, the Garrett, the, what we just talked about with the two young outfielders, Fralick, Mitchell, and then the young shortstop, it's just um, Bryce Terang. It's, those aren't going to make it happen. I think Joey Weimer, actually, of all the young prospects, might be the one guy that Oakland would say, yeah, you get him into the mix somehow. Now let's talk about a three-way deal because we don't need a Josh Hader. Well, let's, let's, let's find a way to make it happen. I just wanted to say that a lot of people – really ran over that Castrovince story, but I think at least his his head was somewhat in a possible good place with it. Yeah, and Hater is, is the big thing. And I, I've said this for a while. At some point in time, Josh Hader is going to be worth more to the Brewers playing for another team because as his salary continues to go up and up and up, and as the Brewers continue to uh, not be the big spenders that some other uh, other organizations are able to do, and that's not a that's not a shot at the Brewers because I th- I have I've never had a problem with the amount of money that they spend. I think they do a good job in that area. It's just it's baseball economics where they're not going to spend as much money as some of the other teams out there. Could they maybe spend a little bit more? Sure, we can make that argument, but could they spend a lot more? No, I don't think they could spend a whole lot more. At some point, Hader's salary would account for such a high percentage of what you have, it might make sense to go get something back for him. And I don't know if this is the offseason for that. Uh, Only two more years to control, Matt. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, Yeah, I just... I. Considering where they're at, the amount of time that's that's going on, your your other options there, some question mark. I just I don't know if I don't know if this is the year to do that. That's why I want to see what happens with the bullpen because if all of a sudden, and we all know the Devin Williams story, and, and um, Will Salmon did a great job of bringing everybody up to date on on you know um, Williams' state of mind right now and all that. But if they really fortify things. What is more valuable? And would you rather see for the next two years, Josh Hader and their spectacular innings, or you know, 600 at bats out of Matt Olson in, in Amfam Field? Um, what would be more valuable in terms of what this team needs offensively and overall? And I'm just putting this out there. Look, Josh Hader is a stud, but he's also been on the mound during the Trent Grisham inning when four base runners reached in that wild card game. And our lasting impression from last year was Freddie Freeman. Now, look, do you get there without Josh Hader? I don't know. It depends what else you have. But to say that, oh, my goodness, we can't go into it. We can't win a World Series without Josh Hader. Well, we've, there's a couple of years that we were really primed to as a, as a, as a fandom, and it didn't happen with him on the mound. So, um He's the best. He's the best closer in baseball, but he's not infallible. And I love me some Matt Olson. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to see Devin Williams at least start the season and us see him being back to the guy that he was before I would be comfortable with it with a hater trade. Yeah. And unfortunately we're not in the position of rooting for a team that can make a mid-season trade in that regard because they're not going to be out of it, certainly not in this division, and certainly not if there's going to be expanded playoff field. But um, you know what? This last 10 minutes of the conversation felt pretty good, Matt. Just talking baseball. Yeah. Uh, and 
that's the other thing here. How much, if there is the expanded playoff, because the Brewers have done, for the most part during the David Stearns era, the Brewers have done a, a pretty good job of in-season acquisitions. This past year was not the best when it came to uh, uh, mm-hmm. late trade deadline acquisitions. Obviously, there was an in-season acquisition earlier in the year that may have been the best move made by any team when uh, when Willie Domas is brought in. But in terms of the deadline deals, this past year they did not work with the pitchers that were brought in. And that's one of the first times that we've really been able to say that about the moves. But for the most part, the Brewers have been really good at acquiring guys who have been able to help in playoff runs if they do go to the expanded playoff I just have to wonder is that as easy are those guys uh, as available as they've been in the past I think you're always going to see a certain number of teams with with guys they're willing to move um but those are going to be the, the real bottom feeders um it's going to be tough for teams that are on the fringes that uh, think they still can make the playoffs, they may not be as willing. You might not have as large a pool is what I think you're saying and what I, I agree with in terms of acquiring those guys um, at midseason. But let's just hope we get to the point where the, the, there truly is a midseason because in 2020 there, there, there was no midseason. You had this 60-game flash, and what, if the, is this year going to be a 90-game flash, 120? We'll see. But... Um, Let's just hope we get to the place where we're talking about player movement and all that good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely hope so. Uh, what's let's before I get you out of here, minor leagues. Uh, Will you mentioned it? There's already players down in in Maryvale. If you're able to, uh, if for folks out there who maybe may not see Major League Baseball when opening day is scheduled, who are the who are you going to maybe be most interested in if there's a guy or two uh, here in the early going? Because there there are some non forty man players who are very very interesting and will be in Brewers uniforms sooner than later, and it's going to be an opportunity for them to have more of a spotlight on them. It really is. I mean, you're going to see, um, you know, Bryce Terang's a big one um, in terms of what he's going to show um, from that shortstop slash second base position because he is so blocked um, at the major league level right now is can he show enough um, in those early months of the season that now he all of a sudden he's your midseason true trade bait where he's like eye-popping in terms of what he's up to Um, still so young for his age Um, Ethan Small is going to get a chance because he's not on the 40-man roster to uh, start out with Nashville and uh, stretch himself out to the point where maybe does Adrian Hauser become um, somebody that oh, all of a sudden a, a team like Seattle or Colorado, you know, who need ground ball pitchers um, in particular, um, you know, can can he get um, moved for obviously what would be some pretty significant value? Um, so those would be two for sure. There, there are other guys who, um, you know, it would be nice to see what uh, Luke Barker um, can do. Um, he's, he's one of these guys that you know, just keeps putting up the numbers, um, isn't a fireballer, but is an outgetter. And uh, would he be added to that mix? What's interesting is, is that there is going to be a spotlight on some of these guys. And if they get off to hot starts, um, they'll be among the very first that will be call-ups 
um, even more so than usual because they will have had their legs under them. Uh, some of these, depending on how long spring training turns out to be, um, you're going to have pitchers who are still going to be babied on the big league level. You might see guys stretched out down on the farm, like Ethan Small, who can come in and fill significant innings for guys who still have to kind of be guided into the season. And uh, that's just another fact of what's going to come out of what hopefully won't be an altered schedule. But, boy, we're holding our breath on whether that's going to be the case or not. Yeah, and I lied. Just one more thing to kind of follow up a little bit. If I was a guy who wants a, a major league contract, but I'm also somebody that knows i got to go to spring training and fight for my job, I would be – if. If they are not going to start the season on time, I would be jumping at the opportunity to sign a minor league deal and get to go play a little bit at AAA. So maybe I've got, maybe I'm a little bit ahead of other guys yeah. once Major League Spring Training gets started. I see your point. Um, isn't there something though? But these would be yeah. So these are guys who would, are already free agents that are out there. Yeah. But minor, but it couldn't be somebody who was. Ended the season on a major league contract, right? It would have to be somebody who had been. Maybe I'm wrong on the rule, but I feel like if you're a free agent, you can sign a, a minor league deal. I don't. I don't think it matters if you were. Now, maybe it matters for the war chest. Like maybe I'm just talking out of my backside right now because I don't completely understand. But I feel like if you're a free agent, there's nothing stopping you from signing a minor league deal, whether you were on a major league roster or not last year. Right, but then you're tied to that organization for the for the season. Yeah. And then you're hopeful that so now it's not like a free yeah, it's tough. You know, you got to you got to get your you got to get your name out there and uh your your skills out there, but then if you're signing with that team, now you are kind of bound to that one team or, too. You, or you sign with tricky. an opt out. How many guys I I can tell you. Two. Yep. Ton a of those. ton yep. of guys sign those those May 1st, June 1st opt outs. So you can do that. Yeah. So. Yep, um, it's it's a new world in yeah. terms of uh, 2022 and uh, all these little you know machinations that that make it what it is right now. And and we, there's so many different ways to to pick and choose what we can analyze about it, which is in and itself a little bit of a skill that we have to develop because it's not the norm, and um, it's just things we need to think of that will affect the season overall. Um, let's hope this next CBA is like a seven-year CBA or something like that. Yeah. So we can just not have to worry about this for a while. Let's go 10 and just make it an even number. Um, yeah, let's go make it 10. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Jim, I encourage folks to uh, follow you on Twitter, of course. You're always uh, sending out great information, uh, at Mass underscore Haas, of course, uh, part of the team at BrewerFan.net, and uh, the conversations are certainly continuing strong there. Yeah. um, One thing I just wanted to highlight, and I'm having some fun with it, and and I might have to recruit some help with it to get through the season, but um, I'm doing something over there which I'm having some quite a bit of fun with, and that's um, we're calling it the 2022 birthday thread, and that we're taking it from everybody in the organization, which literally, since they signed those international players last week, it's up over 320 players that are in the organization, believe it or not, and um, that's a lot of birthdays. <laughs> so as the birthdays come, um, I'm putting together a post, um, well, kind of wishing that person a happy birthday, sure, but also 
bringing everybody up to date on where that player stands um, so far in their career. So it's, it's more of a focus on the minor league guys, although I wished Tyrone Taylor a, a, a nice birthday yesterday and had a, a fun post there that talked about some, uh, some aspects of Tyrone's career that people might not realize. But it, when it's all said and done, it'll be a nice reference thread that we can go back at any point in the year, and um, it, it includes um, prior audio and video um, highlights with that player, whether it was an interview or some other more recent highlights that people might not be aware of. So it's on our minor league forum. It's hide to miss. It's called the 2022 birthday thread, and um, take it day by day and see who's see if you line up with any uh, any player when your birthday comes along. Awesome. That's really, really cool, and I encourage people to uh, check that out. Jim, as always, thank you for the time. I love our conversations and look forward to doing it again real soon. Matt, I'm really looking forward to the next time when, whether it's you know May, June, July, whenever it might be, and we can dedicate um, you know the entire piece to uh, to the real what's going on in the field and in, in the front office and uh, not in the back rooms. I agree 100%. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Matt. Jim Goulart joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to do it for uh, the podcast this week. Thanks so much to uh, Jim for being uh, with us. As always, a reminder for you, as long as the Bucks are not playing, we do have uh, Brewers Weekly that comes your way Thursday nights on uh, WTMJ, and uh, hopefully, hopefully there's actually going to be some uh, news here over the next week or so. All we can do is... Uh, cross our fingers that the labor negotiation proposal that is given by the players to the owners on Monday uh, has has some substance to it and is not just putting the two sides further together because it seems like sometimes when they actually talk and when they actually meet it's more counterproductive than productive and uh, we'll just see we'll just have to wait and see there I say it again wait and see we'll wait and see what it's going to look like once this all gets figured out Again, uh, thanks to you for being tuned in. Thanks to Jim for being my guest. And we'll talk to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.